and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Enterprising Gen Z Podcast. My name is Sam Watson, I'm the CEO and founder of Enterprising Gen Z Events. On this week's episode, I'm talking to Alex Lawford, who's the founder of The Difference Group. Their goal is to grow your business and make a positive difference, whether you're a B2B, B2C or a B2B2C company. They specialise in delivering strategy, website development, communications, content marketing, business development, social media, PR, SEO, advertising and so much more. Alex and I talk about the basics of SEO, unlocking the power of content and top tips for young entrepreneurs. I hope you enjoy. Let's start off with talking about the difference group. Do you want to tell everybody exactly what the difference group is? Yeah, so uh, we're a marketing and innovation agency. We essentially help uh, B2B, B2C and B2B2C companies um, kind of unlock uh, their difference and their potential. Um, we do this in a number of ways, um, kind of creating scale programs um, that help uh, businesses kind of unlock their potential. Um, and what we've essentially done is every single sector has specific problems and challenges, right? Um, and each Set, each specific uh, kind of business has a specific pro- has a range of specific problems, whether it be um, B two B kind of finding sales, um, nurturing sales, um, and account based marketing, um, or for marketplaces kind of discovering um, either supply side pains or um, kind of uh, service side pains uh, to kind of create a uh, a narrative to create kind of a program that unlocks um, and builds uh, their their growth, essentially. I think I'd say that's what we, we do. Um, and, and from there, we also we also kind of uh, do kind of uh, content marketing, uh, advertising and uh, in-house growth consulting. So we essentially be the founder. We are essentially the CEO or founder or leadership team guide in that specific problem or use case, um, kind of working as fractional leaders. Um, so going in on on specific days or specific uh, months and kind of helping them solve a specific problem or having a much wider, longer term collaboration um, to kind of help with their strategic goals. And, and uh, yeah, and that's essentially what we do. Amazing. So I'm, I'm also interested about why you started it as well. So um, I've been in a lot of B2B companies um, and I kind of noticed that there were every single company had a specific had a range of specific pains that needed solving um so where we kind of come in is we become their guide their kind of uh, let's call it a cmo or um head of sales um kind of shake things up put in the processes put in the technologies um that enable them to deliver more um with their existing teams and where needed uh, kind of find talent to uh, meet their other needs. So um, we have difference makers that kind of go into organizations and um, kind of build um, who have kind of a, a large range of experience. And then we go in and kind of um, those leaders have the technical capabilities to execute. So I work on the marketing side um, for B2B companies. Um, I have leaders within B2B sales um, and then I recently uh, partnered with a chap called Sean Westwood, um, who is our marketplace expert. So he deals, he's basically got 30 years experience in, sorry, 20 years experience. He's not that old, um, helping um, kind of marketplace on the demand and supply side. One of the aspects or one of the services you provide is SEO. Um, for me, 
my podcast website, which is uh, egzpod.com, if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, it was kind of a bit of a personal crusade for me to get it on the first page of Google um, when you look it up, because obviously I'm, I'm on lots of podcast directories, so I'm essentially going up against Spotify, um, Audible, uh, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts on the internet. Um, do you want to give a bit of a basic um, kind of advice guide to SEO? Yeah, so the first thing is... Um, when you're starting out, uh, whether it's on a new build website or an existing build website, is to kind of have a plan um, around what you want to discuss, what you want to talk about. Um, I think creating um, clear sitemaps is really critical, um, which you can then have like specific uh, themes. So whether it's your sectors that you work with, whether it's your product features, whether it's your team, and uh, features, I think that those are the core things that you need to kind of flesh out and then you can build the keyword analysis around it. And you kind of go onto Google Trends or SpyFu or SEMrush and then kind of find the keywords that will have maximum impact. Um, Smaller sites have slightly less domain authority. So you kind of have to go a little bit more niche um, on the keywords that you choose unless you have like a lot of content around those specific keywords. Or um, kind of if you're on a bigger site, kind of having running through those themes, but having content that is actually a bit meaty. So you need to think about um, kind of content length, page design, um, website speed, um, linking. So how many backlinks have you got to your site? Do you need to build a backlink strategy? Um, and then also thinking about kind of PR and uh, content marketing and then working around um, those core elements uh, to build uh, basically a SEO engine. Um, you know, it can be, you can, you can do SEO on the cheap, but SEO is a mu- it should be a major investment for companies, especially in times where um, in a world where advertising is getting more and more expensive, whether it be on Google AdWords, uh, Google Ads, sorry, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, when you use it, um, if your brand is correct um, for it. I think having a having a SEO strategy is critical. Um, you'll also use kind of YouTube SEO um, and other area, other SEO kind of other channels that can kind of really empower uh, discovery. Um, and it's kind of picking picking your um, picking your picking your channels correct at the beginning can help you kind of scale and grow and um, yeah create and create create noise I would say across those different channels. Thank you so much. That's really interesting. Actually, I'm definitely going to try and employ some of those strategies. And you're right, SEO is really important, especially when you're uh, an online business. You know, getting clients or even selling a product on the internet, SEO is probably the most important thing you can do. Um, so with my work with Wing, um, we started off doing B2C, which we, we were quite successful in. We had lots of demand for our products. Just for reference, our products are contactless business cards. They're kind of stickers that go on the back of your phone. And when you tap it, all your, all your links come up and consumers loved them. Um, and they kind of sold themselves really, but then we found that this potentially wasn't scalable. Um, and we'd quite like to move to B2B. At the start, B2B was quite tricky, kind of making those connections um, and actually trying to, again, I'm going to use the word a crusade, but it's a bit of a personal crusade to 
um, kind of foster connections and, and get into conversations with businesses to sell um, our products to. And I think on a more general level, B2B is something, B2B sales is something that lots of companies struggle with when they're starting out. And it's especially relevant to young founders who have startups. What would your advice be? Because obviously B2B is something that you guys specialize in as well as SEO and a host of other um, interesting things. Again, how would you advise young founders um, to go around, go about uh, their B2B sales? So a lot of B2B companies, especially in the early days, go, um, we're going to target anyone who has this problem, right? And I think the aim of the game is to sell, right? So finding a niche where the pain points are high enough so that when you go into a conversation with somebody, those pains are kind of already, you're, they're already sold. You just need to, you just need to show them the shiny product, right? Um, and, I, and then when you're having those conversations as you're going, kind of, they, they will be your, your product uh, testers, essentially. So they will give you ideas as you're going to help kind of reinforce uh, your product around that specific niche. Um, so, you know, on, on the wing product, they may suggest something which you haven't thought of yet within a specific sector, let's say uh, SaaS or event, like say, let's you're, you're focused on B2B SaaS events um, or you're focused on um, say uh, lead gen tools and you're going to networking events, building a tool which can help them kind of uh, potentially integrate with HubSpot or their CRM. So as they're walking around, they, they, you've got, when they're walking around, they can, they can have their contacts automatically imported into the CRM of choice, for example. So those kind of questions around those kind of uh, interactions, when you're having those early, early stage discovery sessions are incredibly valuable because they will, they will give you the hints as to what to build next and how to influence your product roadmap. Um, the other thing is having a customer advisory board, um, they kind of sit under your product marketing team, um, and they kind of guide leadership in your product mark product, sorry, your product team on kind of what to build next and how to, uh, kind of really fo hone down, uh, what the roadmap will look for the next kind of th month, three months, six months, um, which is key. And, and, and it will allow you to increase conversions it's on landing pages or on ads or on content marketing, because you'll be able to go, we have a plan here. A, we have a roadmap for success. You've got a product roadmap that kind of make, can kind of uh, drive growth. And you've also solving a lot of problems that when you go into future conversations, the aha moment like kind of it sells itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned niches earlier um, and how important it is for people and businesses to find their niche. How would you advise young founders to find their niche? I think what happens is you go into, you, for example, if you're going outbound and talking to people, um, you've got to find product market fit. Companies and companies and founders and leadership teams kind of understand before they go into a specific sector or go into a specific area of business. For example, with Wing, you'll be targeting influencers, you'll be targeting people who go to events. 
um, you'll be targeting um, kind of a range of different sectors that you know you're removing pain points. Um, so what you can do is you can go right. So we specialize in X, and we know that you know sectors A, B, and C are of relative interest or will be of relative interest. And then you pick the sectors which are going to yield the highest number of sales, let's say, let's say, or the highest conversion rates. Also, the complexity of sales within specific sectors is also key. So you've got kind of, uh, if you're targeting, you wouldn't necessarily target enterprise customers from, from the get go. But what is the low hanging fruit that you can target and kind of make and kind of and, and make those early gains? Um, so I have a friend who he's found a, a specific focus on b on b2b recruitment he runs a lead gen tool um and uh essentially he the way that it works is he go he's found a partner that works through him and they have created they essentially bring him around 50 percent of his sales right so that's incredible so he's found one partner that does essentially does the sales for him and then they integrate with Salesforce and make and, and kind of make make his business work, right? And that's the other thing is partnerships. You you can you can outsource sales through partnerships. So if you have a really really solid idea around the the, the sector or the the niche you're targeting, building partnerships where they've got a large number of customers that need your solution, and then creating uh, partnership materials that kind of. Um, enable them to sell the solution for you and then you get get the cut for that for example you've literally just read my mind because that was something i was about to follow up on partnerships are massive 100 percent. so we're going to touch on content marketing a bit later but you mentioned platforms like tiktok uh, instagram where you can push your content i don't know if you know but there's a lot of there's a movement now kind of moving away from linkedin and moving towards other platforms but kind of circling back to the b2b aspect that we spoke about do you think linkedin is still the best place to push your b2b products or do you think there are other platforms which are better or, or what are your thoughts on on linkedin as a platform to push b2b sales from a um, marketing perspective linkedin is you know i still feel like beyond the how is your pu how, my puppy is i've got a new puppy and um, let's say asking, uh, unusual questions on, on poll, um, you know, uh, keeping it professional, professional, keeping it professional is, is kind of key. I feel like, I feel like, um, LinkedIn has become a, a and the other thing is, uh, the number of B2B, uh, what's it called? The number of B2B lead gen, lead gen, people trying to sell me lead gen is insane probably get 20 of those a day it's so frustrating infuriating right just, yeah. there's a very easy way to do it if someone's sending out that many emails about b2b just stop driving everyone insane um but but i feel like linkedin is, has its place um what i would say is companies that introduce are like a, a lead gen tools but through trusted reviews are kind of really critical so platforms like clutch platforms like g2 crowd uh, you know, Trustpilot, B2C or B2B, those are your biggest advocates. People, I think it's something ridiculous, like 50 to 70%, you'll have to check that, um, of people check reviews before they purchase anything, right? 
So if I'm, so like, for example, I recently upgraded to HubSpot, um, like their growth program, right? Um, but I did a lot of research before I did that, um, the startup plan, right? But between me making, me discovering what I'm going to do, me allocating budget towards it, and me actually making a decision, I probably spent like a good three hours kind of looking at different platforms, looking at different uh, areas like G2 Crowd um, and other, and kind of comparing what they do and how they do it. So that's an incredibly powerful tool. So if you're running a B2B business or you're running, or you can use those tools to kind of bring customers to you at a relatively affordable cost. And even if they don't go through those platforms directly to say, I would like to have a conversation usually someone has someone has reviewed what they're about to buy right from other from other people it's the other one's capterra so it's g2 crowd capterra and the other one for like agencies and um kind of service providers like financial MA, all those kinds of businesses would be clutch let's move on to content marketing um so generating market qualified leads with content is is quite hard sometimes i find it's quite difficult with my podcast do you have any tips on content marketing and converting content traffic into leads we could use my podcast as an example to kind of drive uh traffic from the podcast to my website yeah so there are a number of ways you can do that so um the first thing is picking keywords um having like a, a theme or a trend that you can kind of go down. So what I usually do with clients when I'm starting a content marketing project is I will kind of set an agenda for the next six months, right? So a lot of my clients at the moment are um, in the market research field, for example. Um, so what we do is we go, right, so these are the trends that people are looking at now. Um, these are the trends that people will be looking at in the future and what stories or what narratives do we need to create to kind of get them interest, get their customers and the wider industry interested in what we're doing. Right. So picking those keywords. And then if you've, if you're, whether it's creating a podcast, if let's, let's, for example, say that the podcast that you have is, um, you, you run a podcast, right? So within what we've already discussed, we've talked about how to help people set scale through um, sales. We've discussed SEO and we've talked about, um, you know, uh, review platforms, say. So you can use those as kind of sound bites to amplify your message. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is you can create content marketing around those specific um themes or topics um, and you can record your like for example I'm recording this conversation on otter.ai so that after this conversation I have a plethora of content for me to work on work with right so the whole point around this is you have a podcast but you can also write content you can also create pages around specific uh, sectors um, you can create kind of categories around the podcast, for example, B2B, B2C, um, and potentially B2BC um, or marketplaces. And so those all kind of come into one. So your, your one piece of content 
is now sound bites. It's a blog post. It's a social media post. It's a um, you know, it can, it can, it can, it, if you, if you get creative, it can even be a, a TikTok story. If it was of interest, if it was of interest, I, I doubt that the, uh, the TikTok generation will be interested in, uh, you know, B2B uh, lead gen, but if they were, this is something which they might be interested in. You can create potentially a story about it, you know? So when I started this question, you mentioned clients, um, and as a client-based business, sometimes it can be hard to attract your first clients, mm. um, especially over COVID. When we spoke off air before, you mentioned there was a drop in clients, um, and your MRR t- took um, quite a hit. A battering. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of how did you recover from COVID, and um, how did you kind of fight to get your first clients again? Um so it's actually a very interesting story so i um got diagnosed with add um two months before kind of covid hit and within those two months i doubled mrr um and then because they were quite uh, quite early customers and we kind of hadn't embedded ourselves enough into their organizations um two of those clients parted ways um and i ended up leaving the previous business i was at um, two weeks before the kind of director COVID assistance kind of started. I was like, my accountant should have told me that, um, but it was unknown. Um, so then I kind of built, built up a consultancy myself. Um, kind of, it was, I, was a, I was kind of growing it as under my name. Um, and then I realized that I actually needed to pivot a little bit. So then I created the Difference Group brand as a way of kind of um, putting me under something which could actually scale because you don't want to be the one man, you know, I didn't want to be a one man band because it's, you know, there are violins playing all the time. Um, And I wanted to kind of build a team and have kind of, uh, you know, I wanted to collaborate with people and I didn't want it to be under my own name. So I created the Difference Group. It probably took me up until about six months uh, to kind of start to recover um, I mean, agency, you have to build up the value value of ver- my value versus because my, you know, direct, etc. You've got to build up the value versus your like hiring somebody. And uh, during COVID, they had a, a scheme that basically meant you could hire a free marketer um, with the jobs program that they created, which was great. Um, but it kind of meant that everyone went. Mm, do I hire, a, you know, do I hire kind of a, a, an expert, a specialist, or do I hire someone to just, you know, crap, like do unstrategic marketing work? And so we had a lot of that. So I've actually, a lot of my work has been kind of fixing those problems um, that those kind of very inexperienced marketers kind of created. Not many of them kind of last the time, as it were. So um, people realized pretty quickly that this person, these these kind of these kind of people weren't up to scratch, um, and I've had maybe three clients that have let those people go, um, and I think that the the key thing is to um, kind of really really um, you know my value has gone up because those programs have stopped, but at the same time, the problems that those people caused is leading to me having more business as well. Um, 
And I feel like those that, that having someone strategic that can think strategically and that has the experience to kind of deliver um, is quite critical. Um, but yeah, it's, it's part of the part of the part and parcel is that you have uplifts and down, down up cycles and down cycles. Um, um, and, you know, finding work during COVID when we were remote, I'm a very uh, people person. Um, so I'm an, I'm an extrovert. Um, I like to meet people. I'm in my best, best frame of mind, say, when I'm out meeting people, networking, connecting with people um, and kind of building um, relationships. And I kind of feel like those relationships that I built um, after COVID kind of it was it was it was fun. It was exciting, and you could have. I know I know that playbook quite well, um, but I'm not my out. So I've got a person who I'm kind of talking to at the moment um, as a way uh, to talk about kind of uh, like more aggressive sales tactics. Um, I'm quite a. I'm a. I'd say that I'm a more of a. You have like a, you know what are they called hunter and gatherer, right? So I'm a mixture between a hunter and gatherer in a networking sense. I'm a hunter, um, and on a when I'm when I'm in an agency relationship, I'm a gatherer. So I can I can do both. But like outbound hard outbound sales has never really been my cup of tea. Um, it's always been a challenge for me because I feel like I'm too nice and I can never say sign on. Let's get, let's get this done. I kind of. I've had the situation where, and that, but part of that is confidence, um, you know, having a difficult time during COVID. And then the other side of it is, um, you know, being in your best, being your best self. So I'm, I can be, I'm being my best self now. So I'm able to have those conversations with confidence and kind of go out into the world and kind of eat some sheep. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned ADD. Um, and I read a really interesting statistic recently that people with ADD and ADHD actually make more successful entrepreneurs than those who don't. Um, I'd firstly like to clarify that people with ADD make okay business people. It's about having the support network. Um, so I feel like um, when you're, as a business person, um, discovering who you are and what you do and what your skill sets are, um, the ADD thing is, is, is very, you, you become a very, very creative individual as you get older with ADD. Um, you're able to kind of come up with strategies that not many people can, can come up with. You're able to kind of think outside the box, kind of, uh, whether it be on a strategic or, or kind of a planning delivery basis. Um, but you need a support team. So this was the whole thing, which I found was the support team is critical. So Richard Branson, all those kinds of entrepreneurs that say they have, say that they, they've, they've achieved great success, but behind the scenes, there's a lot of people making that person successful. Um, and I feel like that's the thing which I learned from getting diagnosed. Um, a, it's having the medication, which is like a godsend. Um, and then the second thing is having a support team that can kind of really um, help you do the best work, but also empower you to have faith that the, everything will get done and everything is going to be organized. Um, so we were talking about off air about how you kind of organize yourself having ADD and you use quite a funny analogy, which I think would be quite uh, useful for you to share. Yeah. 
So um, when you have ADD, it's like um, some people have like a spoon drawer. It'll have all the spoons organized in one place, right? So the way an ADD brain works is the spoons are there, but you've got to find the spoons, right? So they're not in one drawer, they're in five drawers. So you've got to make decisions. You've got to find those spoons. So your your the amount you've got a lot of brain space is 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 not as great as someone without ADD. However, you know, um, having a having a regime, having a plan, um, using technology, whether it's um, Asana, I use like a gamified um, habit tool called Habatica. Um, and that kind of, it's a gamified planning tool that kind of helps you organize and structure your day. Um, and then using, um, kind of nutrition. So always making sure, making sure you have your, um, your, uh, uh, so I use a thing called heights. It's a supplement, like an advanced supplement for your brain. Um, so I use that to help organize my, to kind of help ensure that I'm getting the right amount of nutrients. And the second thing is I, I kind of do, um, I have my medication, um, which is a godsend. And weirdly enough, I only got diagnosed two months before COVID. So kind of going through that journey was really, um, exci- was really exciting. So as I said, before I got diagnosed, I kind of had uh, two months and I doubled my MRI in that time. Um, and then And then kind of, um, you know, learning to live with those meds and learning to kind of, uh, kind of it's, it's helped me be successful now because I've got these kind of processes in place. That's super beneficial for potentially those listeners who are listening who's got, who've got uh, ADHD. So my final question is just basically, what's your advice for a young entrepreneur who's, who's just starting out? Um, so the first thing I'd say is having a kind of a team of experts as advisors. Um, so these can be industry leaders, industry insiders, they could be, uh, you know, people that you respect within the industry, asking people for advice is never a bad thing. Um, and you, you have to be a certain person to say no, if a young entrepreneur is asking for advice, right? So people have a lot of time for young entrepreneurs because they want to nurture and see, see people be successful. Um, so creating monthly catch ups with those advisors is pretty critical. You can find those advisors on LinkedIn. You can find them on Connected. You can find them on a load of different platforms. Um, but I, I'd say that that's the, the first one. The second with second one is um, you have your business plan, um, but then you kind of have your kind of executive summary. Now your business plan doesn't have to change every three months, but your strategic objectives do change. Um, and so creating you know a, a working document that you and your team can work through is pretty critical as well because it gives you those um the idea the the you you have a strategic overview of what's going on within the business and you might not have a, a full-time strategy person but you can then take your take that document to those advisors and said is this the right direction are we going the right direction um the other thing which i'd say the third thing i'd say is um sales and marketing and customer relations or cx is 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 critical um, and making sure all of those are aligned, um, they talk to each other, they engage with each other. They have, you know, they it's it, it marketing sales isn't separate because you have to have a narrative that we can sell. The same thing with product. The product team also has to know what the sales team's 
conversations are so that they can build the product to drive success, right? So that's the third piece of advice. And the fourth thing I would say is look after yourself, um, look after your mental health, um, invest in yourself. Um, you are number one. Um, and I, I feel like if you have, let's say, self-love or self-worth, uh, you can be your best person on any given day. So I think that those are the four bits of advice that I would give for founders. Um, A, to avoid avoid going, going, you know, having people around you that know what they're doing. Um, and then the second thing is kind of um, making sure that you have a plan. Everyone is familiar with your plan and uh, you have kind of solid um internal uh cohesion or understanding around what the strategic objectives are of the business um so that's what i'd say is is critical amazing well thank you so much for coming on the show that's everything for today it's been an absolute pleasure sam thank you very much for having me no worries I just wanted to say a massive thank you for listening to this episode of the Enterprising Gen Z podcast. If you did enjoy it, please feel free to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening from. Also, make sure to check out our socials. We're at Enterprising Gen Z Pod on Instagram. Also, if you're on LinkedIn, make sure to leave our page a follow on there. It's just called Enterprising Gen Z Podcast. Um, also, my new business, Enterprising Gen Z Events, is putting on our first event on the 1st of November this year. I'll be releasing more information and tickets soon. As I said, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.